Hey there, welcome to our AP Legal Zone podcast brought to you by AP Lawyers. We are your top fix for all weekly law updates, including family, immigration, wills, and estates law. Just a friendly reminder we are not your lawyers, and everything contained in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and not to be construed as legal advice. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about our new episodes. Um, hello, I'm Angela Pritzwell. Hello, Shreen Abdi. I'm Rabab Buhari. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that seems to be taking over all social media, and it's about Hiba Abuk and PSG star player Ashraf Hakimi. If I pronounce the names wrong, Please forgive me. Um, I do not know these people personally. And everything we're going to be discussing here is just the same information that you have, okay? What's just out on, on TikTok and any other social media of choice. Um, and really, we I think we feel we felt this was a mission for us because there's a lot of um I'm calling misinformation. There's there's a lot of talk and respect and and um a lot going on around this subject. Yeah almost none of which would apply in Ontario. So before people go out there and set themselves up for failure, and then we have to clean up this mess so many years later, we figured we're going to take it upon ourselves to set the record straight. So that's what we're going to do now. So, uh, Rabat, you know, let's have you go. What's what's this about? Like, just at least give us an idea of kind of what really is going on facts-wise. Okay, so uh, basically, um, Ashraf Hakimi is um, a soccer player. He plays for uh, PSG, I believe. And um, he got married to um, Hiba Abuk, who um, is an actress. I think, I believe they were married in 2020. So their marriage is like a pretty short one. They have two children together. Um, There's like certain allegations that came up recently with regard to um, sexual assault, like on his part. And um, now the marriage is ending, I'm guessing for that reason or for like other reasons, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, now they're getting divorced and um, his wife was seeking to get 50% of his property, but um, he apparently had put some of the property in his mother's name and also um, his paycheck um, from PSG. I think he earns like a million dollars every month. I'm not fully sure about the numbers, but he earns about a million dollars a month. And apparently about like 80% of that gets paid directly into his mother's account. So now because um, those assets and that money as well is in his mother's name, she has no access to it. So that's just basically like a... A synopsis of the situation. <laughs> yes, and that's enough to get our bloods boiling, the outrage. <laughs> but I I can't help myself but to plug in right here that if they had a marriage contract, we would not be talking about this. We so first off, if you don't have one, and if you're in Ontario and you might hear people say prenup, it's not you can do it while you're married. You can do it 20 years into marriage. Okay. So if there's any the first and most important lesson you're going to take away from this is get a marriage contract because if if they did, then it would solve half this problem. But um Shireen, do you want let's there's I mean a few issues just jump right out to me when I'm hearing these facts. Where do you want to start? I mean, I'm actually gonna just touch on the marriage contract piece because I think the biggest, you know. I think controversy surrounding this is that she had no idea 
that these these assets were in his mom's name majorly right um if they had done a marriage contract a big element of that is financial disclosure so she would have been very aware at that time because financial disclosure from our perspective is actually you know a big a big piece of kind of getting a marriage contract in place so yes that kind of would have solved where it gets me on the marriage contract bit is I'm more humiliated for her that she had to find out in the public eye that he had nothing. So even if they decided to waive financial disclosure and as part of which we, you would strongly discourage, Mm -hmm. but let's say he revealed all of his assets. They could have still said each person would own their respective assets. So when she's leaving him at this point, at least the equalization bit would not be um, an issue because remember what I'm also hearing on some parts of the internet is that she now has to make an equalization payment. I heard that too, yes. That doesn't seem like the outcome she was going for at all. So, I mean, the only way I could feel better seeing how I'm so involved in this is if (laughs) if she actually, if he walks away from it and it's like lesson learned, you know, I almost feel like you've incurred legal fees, you've done all of this, not to get anything. At the very least, she would have not had an equalization straight up. And then support issues we would, which we would talk about, they could have also agreed if we break up no spousal support. But I didn't even see from your angle, Shireen, and I agree with you for a fact, because if she was intending to be a gold digger, then she should have also known from the outset, because that's what some people are calling her on the internet in spite of the allegations against him i but i make no comment there but you know what i mean like how she didn't even know that he had nothing in his name so the disclosure would have been helpful and she wouldn't have started a claim for equalization in the first yeah. place so uh, that's a good angle to look at it for sure yeah so other than the, the marriage contract piece now that you know they've also obviously did not go that route and here they are finding out all of this information from an Ontario perspective, um, I mean, I think the simple nature of just putting assets into, you know, someone else's name is not, doesn't sheer, it doesn't, it doesn't protect you from, you know, sharing in the division of that property. In Ontario, we have claims respecting, you know, trust claims against property or figuring out who in fact is the beneficial owner of those properties. Yeah. Um, if in fact, you know, I mean, if we were taking this scenario and applying it to, you know, Ontario Ontario jurisdiction, which is really the topic that we have today, Um, you know, specifically the income, um, looking at that, that's income that would be included for support. Diverting your resources from income perspective is not going to be how we're just going to just say, okay, yes, 80% of your income goes to your mom. Therefore, you know, we should only use the 20% of your income that's available for support resources. That's not going to be the situation that we're going to be looking at, especially when income's diverted. So that would be like the reality is the full income would be included from our perspective. And then on the property piece, all of the properties registered under, you know, his mom's name, we're going to have to look at who's in fact the beneficial owner, you know, was it intended as a gift? You know, who paid for the down payment, who purchased the property, who maintained the upkeep of these properties. So if he's in fact the beneficial owner of the property, even though mom is the registered owner, it's it calls into question, okay, is this property really just, you know, his and it should be shared? 
as part of the equalization process. Yes, there's the issue of a short marriage, which I don't know if I'm getting it too much into that. And I'll leave that kind of for you, Angela. Dig deeper into all of these things because you're kind of summarizing. So we're going to need to like take, I intend for us to take each issue and really kill it because I don't think you're saying it strongly enough. You will not succeed. Don't go putting your, your home in your mom's name and think, you know, you figured out the secret way to get evil fail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the time actually I have clients that you know will put their mom on their business or their they'll keep their assets like sheltered and they're like oh it's not in my name good luck I'm like no actually it's not how it works we could get the disclosure we can determine that it's in fact yours and therefore it is yours for the purposes of division so I'm with you like it's not it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to do so especially here in Ontario now, yes, and even intentionally depleted, I'm just trying to think, like, you're making how many millions a year, Um, you know, you put these assets in your mom's name, if the math doesn't even math, like, I'm going to be going after an intentional depletion of your property, because where is that, where are those funds um, going, but I think I'm going to... Um, Put it running by you, Rabab. What are your what are your thoughts when you think about this from a support perspective? Um, I mean, like, so depending on, because again, it is a short marriage, but like child support is going to be like a huge factor depending on like you know where the children live with, um, um, who the children live with. But um, yes, he puts eighty percent of that money in his mom's name, but that doesn't really matter because it's his name on the paycheck. So if he's earning a million dollars per month, that's like roughly what, $12 million per year. So like we would need to do like support calculations on like, and there's two children of the marriage, support calculations, section seven expenses as well is something that needs to be taken into um, consideration. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned section seven, I just thought of something interesting because I, I understand the children are about three and one year old. And I, I'm thinking, well, they're not going to, you know, a government funded daycare. Um, if they're going to, I'm thinking they're having like fancy nannies. So I'm like, how far can we take these section seven expenses, you know? Yeah. And he's a professional soccer player. Exactly. He's probably going to want them to play um, soccer as well. So there's going to be training. There's going to be coaches, things like that. They're definitely not going to my son's like soccer league. That's for sure. So, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure we're not looking at the same expenses, but absolutely. So now when we think of it from spousal support, I'm also, I'm, I think that's probably where he might get the best protection. I'm not because he was putting the money in his mom's name, just because I don't see entitlement. Actually, I could be wrong there. I see because of, Depending on children. where the children, depending on how parenting plays out, there may or may not be entitlement to spousal support because if the children live with live with her, then obviously she's disproportionately affected by the breakdown of the relationship because now she would have majority of the child care responsibilities after separation. If the children are, say, split equally before between them, I don't really see an entitlement. I mean, are you, what do you guys I think? I mean, it could be, honestly. She is an actress here. and a model, so she was pregnant for a couple of years, obviously hindering her ability to work. So I think there is a small compensatory element of support there. Um, right. I mean, obviously, it is a short mm-hmm. marriage, but, you know, given the nature of her employment, she did have to, you know, subdue her career a little bit. I can imagine, given, you know, her being an actress and a model, I don't know how much work is available for pregnant individuals and I can imagine he probably said hey don't work you know uh, let me support you 
and you know obviously furthering you know the compensatory element for not being in the workforce oh. for a couple of years you know i i don't think it's the best claim but i think there is an element there he's also potentially, i was gonna say he's also potentially going to jail like he, <laughs> so that's something that like we also need to take into consideration <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's because like, <laughs> like, yeah, because he's potentially going to jail. The children are going to have to be with her. There's no shared or anything. So that's also something that needs to be considered. Yeah, true. But no, but now you've you've made it harder now because um we have she has a bigger problem to concern herself with, not just the 80% that's going to the mom. It's like, what if 100% of this income is gone? It's just done. Um, so now I can just see us. All I'm thinking now is, you know, do we impute income to him? Because, well, you brought this. Okay. Without sounding insensitive, I'm not a, we're not talking criminal law here. From a family law perspective, if through actions of your own, you get, I mean, you find yourself in jail, you will be considered intentionally underemployed. And even though it might be unfair under the circumstances, it is what it is. So do they impute a million dollars income to him while he's still in jail? Like this could get messy, you're right. Yeah, and I don't know the value of his properties because, you know, their income, I don't know if they're income generating assets, right? Like mm. as income for support, if he has That's valuable true. real estate, I imagine... You know, he nest of a portfolio of a couple million dollars of hopeful real estate or something that, you know, generates income, even though, you know, on top of, you know, his salary. So that might be an issue. Oh, well. that's a good, that's a good one. Um, where do you put, where do you put her self-sufficiency um, in this mix? Because I know you, I hear you, you know, she's pregnant. If, if we were opposing lawyers on this case, you're clearly, your position is, well, in spite of a short marriage, she should I'm get. I'm her spousal support. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, no, there's no pattern of dependency here. You've only been with this man two years and your strongest argument is, well, giving her a career. Those, within those two years, she's had to subordinate like her, her career goals and all that. And I can even add there that I'm sure age might be a factor as well. I can imagine two years in the modeling world might be 20 years for the rest of us. But be that as it may, she's now had these children. Doesn't she have an obligation to get back in shape and get back to work? She does, but I think the expectation is get back in shape. Right. And I don't, it needs to be reasonable. Like, I don't know if she gave up, you know, a series that you know would have lasted five ten years like yeah. I don't know what sacrifices she's made personally through her career so again like we could stretch this right <laughs> say, you know she's getting you know support until these children are 18 like I don't know right at the end of the day you know given the facts that I do have I do have to believe there's some element of support and yeah I do think she's she's obligated to be self-sufficient but I think given the nature of her career I don't know what kind of sacrifices she had to make. Is it reasonable to expect that within the next two to three years, obviously she's, she has young children, you know, and what if, you know, what if she has been the primary caregiver, you know, what if she doesn't want to pass on that role to, you know, nannies and, you know, private daycare. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there, there's different elements that need to be looked at. If she's been primarily these children's caretaker, there's been nobody else involved or not to the extent required. It's unreasonable to expect that she just, you know, pick up and, and go head to work, especially if I don't know physically, like, you know, what she looks like. She looks and, fantastic. She's gorgeous. I mean, I've seen there you pictures. Go, there could be a job waiting for her. <laughs> She's gorgeous. Like, I, 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 we also have to, 
exactly and then you know given where they are so publicly like how easy is it for her to get a job given yeah. kind of the backlash and you know the controversy surrounding the circumstances these are not yeah. private individuals. so would we be able to agree that no matter what the spousal support is like it ought to be very limited actually maybe preferably a lump sum given the length of this marriage Minimal amount. You, you're not possibly arguing that she gets more than the low You range. know why? Are it's because I'm really stuck on my the situation that she gave up like a series that, you know, is going to be earning. You know what, though? But yes, it is limited. <laughs> but through my own like, you know, big belief scenario, I think that, you know, she I, gave I, up I can like. I think of another celebrity that comes to mind that could potentially have given up a series, but I don't think it's her. But I'm just thinking, well, then get another series. What's your agent doing? Because then now we're going to start. If I'm, if I'm the husband's lawyer, then now I want all of the documentation. Do you have a new agent? Who's your manager? How many, you know, um, auditions are you going for? Things like that, right? I remember she has, she also has modeling to the, to the side. So it's not just acting. So anyway, but go ahead, <laughs> Yeah, no, because I was gonna say the modeling one, I don't know, because like modeling is very, very ageist and she's 36. So like that might be a problem. The acting, oh. I think she's more likely to like get something from that, but like the modeling, I'm not so sure. But 36, she was married at, th at 34. So are you I'm going to say it's as a result, it's not whatever she's going through, it's not a, a consequence of the marriage, it's just a consequence of of life. Yeah. Well, you know what? Ultimately, yeah. so guys, you could what you could see three lawyers and three ways this could stretch but out. I have one more <laughs> um, you know, item to throw in there. Now we've talked about support, but what about on a needs basis? And let's say emotionally, this has impacted her significantly to the point where she can't get a job, you know, and, you know, from a medical perspective now has a needs-based entitlement to support. Could this be something beyond limited? I think so. If that's I think so. Honestly, even from a needs-based, depending on where parenting falls, and if he's a soccer player now, I, I know they do a little bit of, of traveling and things like that, or I, I don't know how. So I, I'm thinking it may not, if she's actually already subordinated her career, it may make sense that parenting should, should fall with her. So if she gets parenting, I can see a needs-based support claim, at least up until maybe the children are, are at least 18 or something, ex especially given the who their dad is right you just really would not if this is in Ontario they're not about to let this child live a, a regular you know middle class life when he has such a wealthy father like they will find a way to to ensure that and I don't think that child support alone would would you know work out in this case so it's either he gives her something willingly or it, I think it would be ordered on, on some note. And yes, and Shireen, you're talking about from the medical perspective, that could get really complex. You're right, because she is getting a lot of hate on, on the internet. So would she want to put herself out there in a career that's so public? It's not like she's working behind a computer. Well, that might not even be good, but <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, So yeah, you're right. It might affect her, her mentally as well. And wow. So at times like this, we'll go back to step one. You could have done a marriage contract where you <laughs> talked about how spousal support could be dealt with. 
right? And child support, as you as anyone that's paying attention would have noticed, none of us are even going there. It's unanimous. Like you're going to pay child support. You're going to pay it on your full income. In fact, I was even looking at just the PSG uh, income. Now, Shireen has raised the issue that there might be assets when we claw them back from mom, might be income generating. Now we're going to add that income to him. And in fact, if I know Shireen, she's going to gross up that income because it's collected by mom who probably is in a lower tax bracket. Yeah. So we're going to gross it up and child support is going to be paid to the maximum amount. Sponsorship so too. Like, is he like represented by Nike, Adidas, like all these people? Like, yeah. That is, yep. Wow. So there's so guys, you see how things can start looking very simple but complex. So <laughs> if you're in Ontario, don't think that you can pass on your income to someone and you will be protected. It will not work. The disclosure, we will get the disclosure. She will get the support. Now, if it's if the money is hidden in a place where no one knows. I think the, the issue with this is it's so obvious, and that's why I'm more concerned about people thinking it's a strategy. If the income is hidden, if no one knew that he had any endorsement, if his endorsement was, I don't even know how, what kind of endorsement it would be because the point of endorsement is for people to know for you no, to promote it. Yeah. But let's say no one knew and it was just like his contracts were secret. So if you're not in a high profile position like him and your, your pay is secret, it's between you and, and your company. If you, you know, there's non-disclosure agreements between you and the corporations you're dealing with then we, we can't claw back what we don't know. Mm -hmm. So I don't want it to seem like people haven't gotten away with lies in Ontario, but they lie. In his own case, it's not so much so much a lie. It's more of a diversion of assets. And that's why we say that's not a strategy that would work here. Neither would lie. But I mean, like, I don't know what to say. I have, I have to put that one out there. So just be honest. Okay, well, I want to drill down a little bit more on this um on the property issues so um Shireen, i know you and i have done a lot of trust claims together um right off the top i'm just i'm simply seeing a resulting trust right here because yeah. i mean i wouldn't even bother like there, there's no point even going any further my guess is he just gave this to mom and you know I don't know, and, and trust claims are equitable claims, and I know equity does not presume a gift. So I'm just trying to think of in terms of who bears the the burden of proving of proving it, right? Is it is it her or is it it's is the person it relying on it, right? So if it's him saying it's a gift, it would be him. Um honestly, I don't really see how you could even if you gifted it, like from our perspective, you're reckless. This goes back to the reckless depletion um, of property, you know, or obviously, I mean, that's the easiest way to explain it. But, but yeah, yeah. in terms of the gift, I, I could see a resulting trust claim, um, especially because the mom does not work. So, or at least to my knowledge, she's not working. I so don't think she does. How could she have acquired or amassed such, you know, income or properties? It's very clear it's coming from one source. No, no, I think there's no denying that he gave her the asset. So in this case, it's even clear you gave them to her. Yeah, so I'm bragging about it. Or at least like that's like the, it, that's what I guess. Yeah, like, happy about saying. it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter from the context that, you know, all of these properties were still in, 
it were in mom's name before they were even married. I think that's been an an, an ongoing discussion as well as well. It was already like that before they got married. And I'm like, it, it really doesn't matter because the the same issue arises, which is your beneficial no. your beneficial owner and, mm-hmm. and yeah, under our family law act, any property that you have a beneficial interest in is property to be equalized. But then I think what the, what we could do in Ontario is now that this is where the short marriage might be helpful for us because then if these properties, so it doesn't matter that it was there, we put whatever the value was, he will get his, the way equalization is calculated, he will get um, the deduction for the value on the date of marriage. So really all she's really looking at getting here is the increase in the value of his property over the two-year marriage. I think it's like two, three years. I'm not sure. I think two years. Almost three years. Almost three years. To be honest, yeah, the value. But then also any properties that he's purchased throughout the marriage, she would have to share. She would would share that. But then, of course, we're going to say, this were our client, if he were our client, we would say you're not getting 50% of that over a three-year marriage. Isn't that what we would say? I mean, yes, I would. But in these circumstances, these are not, like, if they didn't want it, it's not shocking to me someone who's making a million dollars would have to pay someone, you know, for 12 months. Are you shocked? Especially Um because that's... (laughs) with the deductions in place like it's not shocking to me in the circumstance in the nature of these parties in a normal circumstance absolutely i want to hear what what rabat thinks like is this shocking to your conscience that she would get 50 (laughs) percent of the increased value over over a short marriage no it was just me listening intently i'm like yeah So it's not shocking. Okay, this is so it's so like the interesting part it's an actually question because everyone like listening or watching would wonder like why am I so concerned about the shocking to the to the conscience? And I wanted like wanting to be clear that that's the test. So I know I just jumped out there and I said, no way, we're not giving 50% because it's a short marriage, but that's not the rule. For me to succeed in not the, the rule is 50%. For me to have a court devi- deviate from 50%, I have to show that it's unconscionable. And unconscionable essentially means shocking to the conscience. And you can see how subjective that is. I have two people here whose consciences aren't shocked by it. So. I mean, is your conscience shocked by this scenario? I mean, obviously we're all lawyers here, so maybe we're asking the wrong people. <laughs> I mean, is it is it a yeah. scenario where you can see, you know, a court agreeing that it is in fact shocking, or because again, he is he's getting the date of marriage deduction, and while it is a short marriage, they did start dating in twenty eighteen. I don't know if they started cohabitating during that period. So mm-hmm. the way that the court yeah. would look at it is, it's not just the marriage. If you started living together in twenty eighteen, you're going well. to claw in that entire period of time. And if it's, you know, five years. If it's 2018, then it's game over. It's not, we're not likely to make any, any unconscionability. It's not likely to be successful then. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to have to maintain my position that is shocking to me that after two and a half years. Just want to be different. That's fine. No, I I, I have a case. To tell you how um, subjective this can be, I had a case where my client was, thought it was unconscionable that she um they divide um their assets equally because she paid four thousand dollars to fix the pool it meant the walls to my client 
when we went in front of the judge, you remember the matter, I can see you're smiling and the judge, I mean, the, I tried, I, of course, we would always level with you. Like, I would always be honest. So you're not getting in front of that judge without me giving you an idea, kind of like how she was telling you that they might not be that shocked. But she could not believe that the judge was not shocked. The judge was like, I don't think it's unconscionable. But she's like, but it's 4,000. It's and 4000 was a lot of money for my client. Like, this, she, it, she wasn't being dramatic. She was retired. He wasn't paying her support for a while. <laughs> to her, it was just shocking. She just thought she should get more. And, I mean, we dealt with that in this scenario in, by giving her back her $4,000 and, and kind of balancing things out that way. But what she, her position was, I increased the value of this house by repairing the pool and so we got about $100,000, I, I don't know, a significant amount of money more than they would have gotten with the pool the way it looked previously. So that was kind of her position with, you know, the unconscionability, but no one was shocked. So again, as with these things, you, you know, roll up the dice depends on what you get. Yeah. Sorry. I, would be shocked. I would be shocked if someone was shocked in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but... But yeah, it, this is a very interesting case that hits on, on really all of the points. Honestly, every area of family law that you could really touch on is a concern in this. I know we try to stay away from parenting, right? Because we don't even we don't even want to go there. Like parenting. we don't know how we don't know if she was the primary caregiver. We don't know if she we, we just don't know, right? Is she the great best mom? And if that were if we were in Ontario. It's not, you know, some people have this misconception that it would always, the children would always remain with the mother. That's not Ontario law. The law here is what is in the best interest of the of the children. And, in, you know, what if it turns out that the children are better served living with him primarily? It's not impossible. I know one-year-old with such a rigorous schedule. I'm not sure. But again, she's a model. Sure, she's a model. Then they're both with with, with rigorous schedules. He's in I a think, French league. Go ahead. I think his would be m much more like rigorous. I feel like because he could do her career a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not sure because he plays well, like club soccer. soccer. So how far do they like? He's in the French league. Like is he? Yeah, but trains? I think he also trains. plays for Morocco. Like like the national team as well so he's gonna have like national games that like where he has to play for the country and then he also has to play like for psg so like i mean they have like they're like um french league i think it's called like league one or something yeah, i don't know if they're yeah. the, in, i don't know if they're in the champions league or not i'm not sure he would have to like yeah, play they are in champions league, yeah. so like it's a lot of traveling all around europe sometimes around the world like whenever like um whenever like the world cup comes or like you know like things like or like the um african cup of nations i think he's moroccan i'm not sure but like yes. if that comes like yeah so he'd need to like travel like to another continent to like play for like weeks on end you know, oh. so like, and her, like, maybe she has a photo shoot at like 9 p.m. one night. So, like, she's in New York. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know because I don't think she's been like as active as like, because I mean, her net worth is what, like, two to three million. So, like, I don't know that she was like super, super active to like make a, because I feel like it would be higher if she was like more active. But I think, yeah I think it would be with her because like with him his schedule is like just a little crazy because and I'm just talking about games we haven't even gotten into training and things like that also his endorsement training so the way I'm seeing it is training and games are happen happening most of the time within um Paris 
And then maybe once a week or so, he's traveling to Paris his days. And we don't know what family supports he has to take care of him. We don't know if they've had a nanny we since the kids were mom. born. Sorry? <laughs> so we know he has his mom. <laughs> I don't know if they're on speaking terms. I mean, at least... You know. With all that money on her in her name, it better be. Oh, no, not 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 him and her um her son. Um, oh, you meant the oh, mom, the mom and daughter-in-law. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking that that great like series television series that she gave up in insurance like scenario, <laughs> magic scenario. Um, you know that that's also can be tasking right like people go shoot on locations and things like yeah, that so that is this true could, this could also get but, interesting because if he's saying you're self-sufficient go go work then yeah. that means that would affect her role as primary caregiver to the children if she ever was yeah but he's also potentially going to jail <laughs> that's also uh -huh. like something else like yeah, That's... they keep bringing us back there. What <laughs> happened? It's a very real possibility. So yeah, yeah. Okay. That's... Um, Shireen, I, I I don't want to put you on the spot there, so I'm going to stop because I think I know you do have some experience dealing with a situation where a parent might be going to to jail and sort of how parenting would work there. But I'm going to stop it here for now and. Uh, just want to remind people, you know, if you have assets you want to protect, or even if you think you might acquire assets, because that's a lot of mistakes people make. They get they get married and they feel they have nothing at that point, and those, so there's no a marriage contract is pointless, which is fine if your if your philosophy is everything I build with my wife, I'm content for us to share it if we're breaking up. Unfortunately, when people break up, they're really not that reasonable at that point. Now it's like, I did it all myself. She was never helpful. 20 years, she contributed nothing to this relationship. That's what most people think. So why not just do a marriage contract and then we can, this, this problem solved. You don't have to worry about this um, anymore. You get the full disclosure. So you know, with, you know, ahead of time, what assets are actually in his name and what's not. And even if you could go a step further, even if it's in his mom's name, your lawyers at that time can make it clear that he has a beneficial interest in this asset so that we can either secure your rights to share in them or you can make a conscious decision knowing that you're getting nothing out of it. And that way we can avoid this entire scenario. So please, it is not a strategy to divert assets or income to others. In Ontario, your strategy will fail. So you've been warned. And until next time, it's bye for now, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and joining us in the AP Legal Zone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more episodes by searching AP Legal Zone on anywhere you watch podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast today so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about any new episodes. Thank you.